John chapter 5 and verse 19. John chapter 5 and verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Those words, verily, verily, are always indicative of a profound announcement. Our Lord is explaining to his enemies his true status. When he says the Son can do nothing of himself, he is not speaking of any incapacity that he has, but quite the opposite. He is asserting that because he is fully God, he can only do that which the Father himself does. He can only act according to his unity of nature with God the Father. He is therefore able to exert exactly the same sovereign power as the Almighty Father in heaven. Now, the Lord has just miraculously healed a man who has been lame for 38 years. This has greatly angered the Jewish leaders and their malice towards him has been increased precisely because in front of them he has called God his Father. This is a claim to deity. By calling himself God's Son he is asserting that he possesses God's nature. He declares that he has come down from heaven, from God, and possesses a unity of essence with his heavenly Father. So here is a human being living on the earth claiming to be fully God. The scribes and the Pharisees rightly perceived the term Son of God to be a claim to deity. They themselves do not, of course, accept that the Lord is from God. For to do so, they would have to humble themselves before him and to acknowledge the truthfulness at the Lord's verdict on the corruption of their hearts. But that is the last thing that these uh, proud religious people want to do. So when confronted with the Holy God, the God who manifests himself in human form, these people refuse to recognise him for who he really is. By rejecting God the Son, they are inevitably rejecting God the Father also.
It is vital that we understand these things because the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is always under attack. It is denied by Judaism. It is denied by Islam. And it is denied by many cults. And this is Islam's chief objection to the Christian faith. Our claim that this man Jesus of Nazareth is God manifest in the flesh. And uh, in the authorised version, thankfully, that term has been maintained. In most modern versions, you will not find the term God manifest in the flesh. Now, here the Lord is saying that he is of such unity with the Father that he can only do what the Father desires him to do. So he says in this verse 19, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Our Lord explains to those who hate him for his actions that he can only do what he sees his heavenly Father doing. Because he is of one essence with the Father, of one substance with the Father, he can do nothing but carry out the perfect will of his Father. Now whilst the Father and the Son are two distinct persons, they are members of the one undivided Godhead. So the Son could no more not do the Father's will than the Father could contradict his own will. It is impossible that the Father and the Son could ever do or desire differently from one another. For they are both the one God. When God the Father acts, God the Son acts. Indeed, the Father chooses to act through his Son. And so, throughout the Old Testament period, we see God the Father acting through his Son. It was the Son who led the Israelites through the wilderness and brought them into the promised land. And so the Father acts through the Son. This is why the Son is called the Word. Just as a spoken word is the expression of a person's mind, so the Lord Jesus Christ is the expression of the mind of God the Father. And so Christ is God speaking to and transacting with men. And all that the Son does and says perfectly reflects 
the mind of the Father. So the Father chooses to transact with men through his Son. And so God the Father does not deal with men apart from through his Son. So if people claim they are having a transaction with God but are avoiding Jesus Christ in the process, they are not having any dealings with God at all. The deity of Christ and the unity of the Father and the Son is what distinguishes the Christian faith from all other religions. And it is what makes it to be the only true faith. For the one true God has chosen to manifest himself only through his Son. Now this goes completely against the grain of the age in which we live, uh, which loves to emphasise diversity. And so we need to understand that by speaking of the uniqueness of Christ as the only path to God, we are against the spirit of the age. And we are against the way the world is going. We are living in a multi-faith world which wants the religions of the world to come together to create a worldwide peace and harmony. Well, we are not of the spirit of this world. Our Lord declared in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 11, verse 27, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. We need to think carefully about what the Lord is saying there in Matthew eleven twenty seven. This is a statement that the Father and the Son are mutually and exclusively known to each other. A higher claim to equality with the Father could not possibly be conceived than that. No mere man knows Christ's divine nature in the sense of sharing in it. No mere man knows or is familiar with or properly understands through his own experience how the Son was begotten in eternity by his Father. Now we need to understand these terms and to use them. We must avoid the temptation uh, to not use slightly more difficult words because we think, oh, the people out there won't understand them. The Christian faith is deep. People need to put some effort in. Jesus Christ is eternally begotten of the Father. 
in eternity the Father begot the Son. These are truths which are so profound that we simply have to bow down in awe and wonder rather than try and mechanically explain them as if we were dealing with a mathematical equation. Our Muslim friends frequently come up to us and say, you have three gods. No, we do not. We have one God. But he manifests himself in three divine persons. That is a mystery. But we must believe it with all of our hearts. Because it's not possible to be a Christian and it's not possible to have any fellowship with God unless one acknowledges the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. And so this means that Jews and Muslims and all those of other faiths, the Hindus who believe in many gods, all others are not worshipping the one true God because they bypass the Son. And this is being plainly taught in this passage. Verse 23, the second half of verse 23, He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father, which hath sent him. And so, we must realise the crucial nature of this teaching. God has so ordered his creation that all knowledge of him shall only be obtained through his Son. This side of heaven, man's knowledge of and communion with God will inevitably know a degree of imperfection. But the Father and the Son have always enjoyed an eternal, perfect communion and a perfect knowledge of one another. Because the Father and the Son are one. And uh, in the Greek, it's a neuter term, one entity, one substance, one essence. So the chief prophet of the Christian faith is one who is fully divine. He is none other than the very Son of God. He does not simply point men to God, but he actually declares, come unto me. So if a man comes to Jesus Christ, he is coming to God. During his earthly ministry, though he was fully man, he also received the worship of men. If he had been anyone other than the Son of God, he would have been a charlatan and a blasphemer 
by allowing himself to be worshipped. He healed the sick. Not by calling on the Father to do so, but in his own name. For this man is the one who created the human body in the first place. Jesus Christ is the creator God. He is the one who was at the Father's side when the earth was being created. And we read of this earlier on in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8 is all about Jesus Christ. It's a passage where the eternal wisdom of God is personified. Christ, the wisdom of God. So Proverbs 8, verse 22. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. So the sun existed before the creation. The Son of God existed in eternity. That passage continues. Remember, it's the Son of God speaking. When there were no depths, I was brought forth eternally begotten of the Father. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. It's the language of being begotten, being born. When he appointed the foundations of the earth, that I was by him, Verses 29 and 30. I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. So the Lord Jesus Christ was there at the creation. Through him the Father expresses his mind and will. Therefore he is called the Word. And so Paul says of Christ in the New Testament, Colossians 1 verse 16, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. So when God said, let there be light, Genesis 1, 3, it was God the Son doing the creating work. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how John's Gospel opens. John 17, verse 4. Our Lord is speaking to his Heavenly Father. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. 
the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So, the Son of God shared the Father's glory before the earth was created. When our Lord became a man, the fullness of his deity was to some extent obscured. Because he took upon himself some of the restrictions of mortal flesh. But we also see that he states that he has participated in the Father's glory even before the world was ever created. John 8, verse 58. Before Abraham was, I am. Five words declaring the eternal nature of the Son of God. Before Abraham was, I am. And I am, of course, is one of the divine titles. The Lord Jesus Christ has always been the means of God's revelation to men. Even throughout the Old Testament period. He is the Word, the wisdom of God and the mind of God. Philippians 2 verse 6 Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. But notice how Paul says there, of the Son, that he was in the form of God, of the same nature as God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It was not a blasphemous claim by the Son to be equal with the Father. Our Lord's incarnation was a veiling of the fullness of his glory. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. But even in his manhood, his deity remained. It was just not the full glory of it that was apparent. Jesus Christ is now in heaven as the exalted God-man. Both fully God and fully man. Now in verse 20, our Lord says here, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. So the Lord again stresses his perfect union with the Father. There was a special manifestation of this union at our Lord's baptism. Luke 3, 21. Jesus also being baptised and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. 
Now that was the beginning of the Lord's public ministry. He came down from heaven to accomplish his Father's will. He was inspired by the Spirit of God beyond measure to do this. And the Holy Spirit is also fully divine. So the mind, will and purpose of the Father and the Son are perfectly one. Everything that the Son does is the working out of the Father's perfect will. The Muslims frequently frequently come up to us and say, Jesus cannot be God because he had to go to the bathroom. They literally say that to us. But they do not understand that the eternal Son set aside some aspects of his divine glory in order to represent us as sinful men. Everything that the Son does is the working out of the Father's perfect will. So this great healing miracle that's the subject of this passage here at the pool of Bethesda related earlier on in this chapter 5 it's the work of God the Father through the Son. The Father heals by giving his Son the power to heal. So the Father and the Son are one, not only in their being and essence, but in their works as well. In John 3, in verse 34, John the Baptist says this, For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. He's full of the Spirit beyond measure. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. So our Lord was perfectly filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Here was manhood perfectly reflecting the image of God in which man was first created. This is why our Lord is also referred to as the last Adam. Because just as the first Adam was a representative man, so he is a representative man. Utterly without sin. The Father empowers him to do the mighty works that the Father himself does. So the Father... So the Lord says in this verse 20, The Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. So the Son will do even more powerful works than the healing of a man who had been lame for 38 years. He will even raise the dead. He will even raise himself from the dead. He will even raise from the dead all mankind on the great last day. Some to everlasting life, 
some to everlasting damnation. Such power over life and death is God's prerogative alone. And the Father has bestowed this prerogative upon his Son. Verse 21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. When during his earthly ministry our Lord raised from the dead the widow of Nain's son, Jairus's daughter, and then Lazarus, this was but an emblem of his power to give all men everlasting life to raise up their bodies on the day of judgment. And when our Lord raised up those three persons during his earthly ministry, they would all physically die again. But when he returns to this earth as judge of all, he will raise from the dead all who have trusted in him so that they will never die again. And so we are told in this verse 21, the Son quickeneth whom he will. He will not raise up to everlasting life all people without exception. Many will be raised up to an everlasting condemnation. The Son only gives life to whom he will on his terms and his conditions. What are those terms and conditions? <coughs> Repentance from sin and faith in him. Those only will be raised up who in this earthly life have been born again, having believed in the Son of God. Verse 22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So the Father carries out his work of judgment through the Son. That is how the Father has chosen to work. Every single person who has ever lived must appear before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And so in Matthew 25, our Lord explains this, Matthew 25 and verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now that is the opposite of the philosophy of our own day which is all about 
embracing diversity and being inclusive. That's the devil's message. Mankind is one and we must work together for a wonderful multi-faith harmony and the abolition of all national borders so that we can have a one world government and all come together in a wonderful worldwide harmony and union. But the Christian gospel says no. God has ordained separate nations precisely because of this reason. Look at the Tower of Babel. When the peoples of the world come together, it's always in rebellion against God. The Tower of Babel was a multi-faith rebellion against God. That tower was to worship the stars of heaven. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. That's not embracing diversity, that's not being inclusive, that's discrimination. God discriminates between those who believe in his Son and those who do not. Verse 23, that all men should honour the Son, even as they honour the Father. He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father which hath sent him. So all other religions, including those which claim that there is only one God, are not worshipping God at all if they ignore Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Some years ago, when an, an Archbishop of Canterbury uh, was installed in his office, uh, he declined to take on a role in a missionary society for taking the gospel to the Jews. He thought that that would be divisive. But the gospel must be taken to our Jewish friends. Because he that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father. The gospel must be taken the Muslims because they're not worshipping the one true God they're worshipping a God called Allah but he's not the Trinitarian God the gospel must be taken to Hindus because they have a multiplicity of gods who are all false yes the religions of the world may share some moral values but we must not be deceived by that we must not take the view that because they share some of our moral values therefore we can work with them and we are one with them no he that honoureth not the son honoureth not the father which hath sent him And other religions, 
persecute Christians. Christians are being persecuted in Hindu India. Christians are being persecuted throughout the Islamic world. We need to understand that Jesus Christ is the only way. And the devil hates this emphasis upon the exclusiveness of Christ. Buddhism denies the exclusiveness of Christ. He that honoureth not the Son honoureth not the Father which hath sent him. To bypass the Son is to bypass the Father. Now the Quran claims that it is impossible for God to have a son. This means that Muslims are not worshipping the God whom we worship. And there is only one God. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we only discover what God the Father is really like in the Son's manifestation of him. Now the same Christ who created the world alongside the Father at the beginning of time is the Christ who accomplishes the new creation in the hearts of all who turn from sin and trust in him. The old creation began on the first day of the week. The new creation, the resurrection, being born again. The resurrection took place on the first day of the week. And this is why we have transferred the observance of the Sabbath from the seventh day to the first day. Because this first day is in recognition of the new creation in Christ. The Apostle Peter once said to our Lord in the next chapter here, John 6, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. There is nowhere else to go but to Jesus Christ for everlasting life. The world does not need spirituality. The world needs Jesus Christ. Our Lord says in John 14 and verse 9, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. We need to know these verses because the doctrine of our Lord's deity is always under attack. Now either Jesus Christ is a blasphemer or a liar or else he is God. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. 
before Abraham was, I am, said our Lord. The Lord Jesus is fully God, manifest in the flesh. God the Father cannot be known except through the Son. This is what the Father has decreed. The Son does the works of the Father. And the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. And only those who believe in the Son, being cleansed from their sin through his death on the cross, will be raised up to everlasting life. Let us realise the absolute necessity of proclaiming Jesus Christ and his exclusive nature to all the world. Because he that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father, which hath sent him. Amen. Amen. Amen.